Sant, director of Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, and you are listening to Film Wax Radio. Hey everybody, this is Adam Shartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. It is Friday, May the 1st, 2020. This is episode number 610 of the podcast. I hope everybody is continuing to remain safe and healthy at home, primarily indoors, primarily sheltering, primarily taking all the precautions that you need to take in order to uh, remain so. You know, it's uh, week seven, I think, something like that, as I record this, of of my own quarantine here in New York. And um, I uh, have to say, uh, you know, it's not been always easy. But, you know, of course, I've had some personal things going on that have made it a little more uh, complicated. And so, but it all feels like my my normal. So I don't know what it would be like otherwise. But I'm busy. I'm at home. I have work I could do from home. I have uh, other projects on the horizon. So things could be a lot worse, you know, being in a city uh, where there's media and industry that I'm, I'm affiliated with is very helpful. Uh, you know, I, I only, you know, I only feel awful for those who uh, don't have those options, who uh, must physically travel to a workplace, but maybe can't, and therefore are, uh, you know, losing uh, wages or have lost their jobs, or those who must go to work and uh, maybe have family at home. Maybe they don't. Either way, they're putting themselves at risk. It's got to be stressful at the very least. We're in a rough spot. I hope we can get through it quickly. And it, even though it doesn't look that way, I still hope for the best. So I hope that you, if you're listening to me right now, that you are okay. You know, it's kind of clumsy because then I got to transition into a movie on TV. But that's what I got to do here. So maybe this is will be fun for you to listen to if you're really into the film world, if you're into films. Uh, this episode is, 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 in a sense, I guess, dedicated to... She's one of the great actors to have come out of Hollywood. She started during the tail end, I guess, of the Hollywood system. Uh, well, she was a child actor, so she probably was, it was still going on. And that, But as she blossomed into a young woman she, as an actor, she certainly lived through the transition from the Hollywood studio system into what it became, uh, the more sort of a more modern day version. And she's one of that, those great actors of that day, Natalie Wood. You know, whether you're talking about uh, James Dean, some of these folks, of course, are a little older, but there were a bunch of people like her, that, that went through that. Steve McQueen, Clint Eastwood, whomever. Natalie Wood met, as most people know, um, a very, very unfortunate end uh, where she accidentally drowned. 
He was, of course, on a boat during the, uh, the I guess, the final phase, whether it was post-production or the tail end of production of, of a movie called Brainstorm. She was she co-starred uh, in this movie with uh, Christopher Walken and Louise Fletcher, and um, uh, she was uh, on the boat, and, uh, you know, with with uh, Christopher Walken and her husband R.J. Wagner, Robert Wagner. And so since then, there's been you know this on again, off again, usually sensationalist approach to that story that that released the the final day, and um, you know, so what this new film which is called Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind, uh, attempts to do is, to some degree, set the record straight. Uh, but more importantly, in the broader sense, it just tells Natalie Wood's story and uh, puts her in in context uh, as a, one of the really great actors who also had uh, was very um, an early independent, was an, one of the few actors who really took had great control over their careers. And as a woman, that was not as easy, of course, especially coming out of that end of that studio system where actors of the female variety were <laughs> generally considered products. And um, she was able to take a great amount of control over her career. And as the director of this new documentary, Laurent Bouzereau, well, well, he's going to describe is that because she was able to pick and choose her own projects, you get a sense of who this person was much more clearly than if you're always just sort of assigned to some film that you have nothing, no say over. Uh, so it's a it's an informative and, and really beautifully told documentary done in collaboration with uh, the uh, daughters uh, of Natalie Wood, especially Natasha Gregson Wagner, who is in the majority of this documentary. So is Robert Wagner. I recommend it. It will be premiering on HBO on Tuesday, May 5th. So this coming Tuesday, it will be available on HBO. If you are a subscriber, I recommend you watch this very, very entertaining and informative documentary. And I'm really happy to bring on Laurent onto the podcast he, for the first time. He's uh, definitely uh, has lots to share and lots to say, which is always great. It's nothing but a great great benefit to a podcast when you have a guest who is as, as enthusiastic and verbose about their their subject as as Laurent is. He worked with uh, Amblin Television, which is, of course, uh, the component of Steven Spielberg's company, as well as HBO. And uh, this is uh, my conversation with uh, the documentary filmmaker, Laurent Bouzereau, right here on Film Wax Radio. The day my mom died, my entire world was shattered. Since then, there's been so much focus on how she died that it's overshadowed who she was as a person. I am Natasha Gregson-Wagner, and my mom was Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood falls into the category of an icon. She's like this mythology character. She had a big heart, and that showed up in her work. I've enjoyed the part where you at not the stardom that follows it. The studio system controlled everything in her life. She wanted to have control over the choices. I did get the right to choose West Side Story. She was one of the few women that had that power. My mom had a string of relationships. RJ was the love of her life. It was like two parts of the same whole. Nat and RJ were both major stars. 
Natalie and I got married in Paradise Cove. We got a boat together and spent most weekends in Catalina. Boom, I'm recording. All right. Uh, we can just start. I, I usually have no problem syncing, okay. so we don't have to worry about it. All right. Well, Laurent, um, and let me, even though I guess I don't have to say your last name necessarily, but I'm sure I can pronounce it. I'm, I'm pretty good with names. Let's see. So uh, I'm going to... Bouzereau, I'm going to say. It's Laurent. It's Laurent Got it. Bouzereau. That's the American way of saying no, it. If no, you want to say no, it in French, no, it's... It's Laurent, okay, Laurent Bouzereau. It is Laurent, Laurent Bouzereau. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. It does sound like it makes you sound angry, so I'd rather you do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> the American no. way. <laughs> je, je suis très jolie. Oh, no, that's pretty. I'm sorry, that's pretty. Uh, bon, uh, d'accord. Happy. Uh, je, triste, that's sad. That, How do you say happy again? Uh, uh, heureux. How do you say happy? Heureux. Oh, okay. I'm going to leave the rest of <laughs> My, I know enough French to get me in trouble. That's what I usually say. So Okay, um, good for you. <laughs> where are you now? In L.A. I live in Los okay. Angeles. Oh, very good. Okay, so uh, good morning then. Good and, morning. Uh, so tell me, how does a Frenchman end up wanting to make a film about Natalie Wood? Although I, I, can, I, I can also guess the French have always loved cinema and American cinema, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Um, I've, I've, I've always um, noticed that, uh, um, particularly because I grew up in France, that the French uh, um, really had a huge appreciation for American cinema. As, as, as you know, you know, Truffaut and the New Wave were responsible for um, calling Hitchcock, who arguably is British, but made, more, made most of his big movies, you know, in, in, in America, you know, yeah, was sure. an auteur, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, and, and so, Wells, I suppose, yeah. Orson Welles and so on, you know, and it's kind of interesting that um, at the same time, you know, the French uh, never learned anything from American cinema. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they made films that I didn't relate to, um, and and therefore uh, as soon as I could I moved to America. But um, you, you you know it is true that um, even today um, there are about five actors that are um, consistently coined in France as iconic, and that would include James Dean. And oh, good, Nat- you're going to mention them. I was going to ask you next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would include James, James Dean, Dean Natalie course. Wood. Marlon Brando. Um, um, I would say Steve McQueen. Okay. Um, and, you know, Brando, uh, I would say potentially, but also Clint Eastwood, you know. Those are sort of oh, like the, the actors. If you go to a movie poster shop, in France, which I visit constantly when I'm over in Paris, uh, um, those are the uh, the most um, expensive items and, and, and most difficult items to find are from those actors. Um, well, what about, Jerry Lewis? what about Marilyn Jerry Lewis? What about Jerry I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, Marilyn Monroe as well. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe um, uh, quite um, is also quite collectible. I would say Audrey Hepburn also, as far mm-hmm. as as. But you know, like I, 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 
Not so much. I don't remember so much, you know, Betty Davis or John Crawford, you know, like mm -hmm. some of, uh, you, you know, it really is interesting. Um, uh, but I know that in preparation for this, uh, for this film, you know, I, I'm very tactile. I, 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 I love collecting things and, and, and I, I found uh, this uh, really rare, rare French poster of... Um, Splendor in the Grass, and mm. uh, and bought it uh, for a little fortune actually, and and mm. and it was restored on linen and everything is just beautiful, and and also um, a poster of Rebel uh, without a cause, a French one, um, which had uh, Natalie on it, um, uh, because as you know, I, I believe the American poster does not have Natalie uh, 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 represented on the poster. Uh, it has her name, but not her. Uh, you'd have to triple check that. But um, in any case, you know. So, so my interest in in her career, um, in her films, you know, have have followed me my entire life because I, I've right. always. Um, I, I mean, I discovered her work, you know, at the French Cinematheque, or or because I grew up in Paris. You know, there's so many movie theaters and 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 they would constantly play um over and over you know um the classics so i would go and see her sure. films i i remember when hitchcock died they literally re-released all of his movies including his silent films and, and so on and i saw within a month i i think i had seen all of the movies he had directed you know, so Paris was actually a really great city yeah. to be in wait. if you were a film buff. You know. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. Are you saying? But wait, I remember wait, Hitchcock, when I moved. Hitchcock died. Uh oh. <laughs> Shocking news. Oh, you're a funny <laughs> Damn guy. It. Okay. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I was going to say I wanted to say uh, don't lose your train of thought there for whatever you were well, about to say because my know, jokes are if I interrupt that, you. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. I, I, I was about to say that w when I, I moved to New York in the early 80s is when Brainstorm, which was Natalie Wood's last movie, as, mm. as we all know, um, was released. And, and, and uh, I got to see it at the Ziegfeld Theater, which was a really big, big movie theater that is no longer. Wow. But, um, I know. I, know. Uh, I, I, I remember being so touched by that movie. Um, uh, because it's dedicated to her, and I, I was a huge fan of of Chris Walken and of Louise Fletcher right. and Cliff Robertson, and and of course of Doc Trumbull, who is really a, a true visionary. You know, um, not only as a visual effects, uh, mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't, I would say, it, it, not only as a technician, as he, you know. Uh, push forward the language of film, but he's a real visual artist, you know, someone who, who um, tells stories with uh, uh, visual effects. And, 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 you know, of course, he's famous for his work with um, Kubrick on 2001 and Steven uh, Spielberg on Close Encounters and, and Ridley Scott on Blade Runner. But uh, he directed Silent Running and and, yep. and also Brainstorm. Um, but, you know, the thing that was super interesting in mentioning Brainstorm um, is that I, I, I rewatched, obviously, all of her films, all of Natalie's movies in preparation for all my interviews. And as, as I was talking and becoming really close to her family, like Natasha and R.J. Wagner, and, and, and I found out that she actually had a choice of movies. She was 
producing her own films and she was one of those mm-hmm. actors that had actually a lot of power a lot yeah. more than I, I you know that I ever knew and and in that sense uh, she was extremely different and and polar opposite of many of our contemporaries who were part of the studio system and never rebelled against it um, unlike her yeah. well that and, was definitely and, a yeah that was definitely a surprising thing to learn from your film about how just how powerful she was and exceptional she was in terms of the her able to choose her films because you know at the time ingenues like herself just did not have that kind of control over their career they were subject to the studios she was at that end of that studio system right she was like at the very tail end of it some of those other peers you mentioned in that list you you mentioned of those icons a number of them i noticed were in that transitional phase out of the studio system and into kind of the new the new cinema but anyway go ahead with uh, natalie yeah so so what i was saying is basically you know the fact that she was able to choose the movies that uh she wanted to make really gave her the power of selecting things that mattered to her therefore i would argue that she is one of the um foremost and only autobiographical actors you know, because she was able to choose the film she did, um, you can look at her film and re- you can look at her films mm. and and really get a sense of who she was and what she stood for and subject matters right. that mattered to her. So when you look at Brainstorm, for instance, you know it's a story of a couple that's on the brink of of a divorce. And through the adventure that, so to speak, you know, through the plot, they rekindle and re-team together and go through a transformative experience and fall in love again. And, and you imagine at the end that they stay married. And that's not unlike, you know, her own life. You know, she uh, met R.J. Wagner, fell in love, married him, divorced him, remet him and remarried him, you know. And... Um, I could see why she loved making Brainstorm or why she would choose that movie as, as, um, uh, as a project for two reasons. One being because Doc Trumbull was, you, you know, as I said, you know, a great visionary. And I could, uh, you can see that she was constantly wanting to, to work with new directors. I mean, she, she did some of the early films of Paul Mazursky, for example, you know, who became a real leading voice in, sure. in, um, uh, uh, you, you, you know, in cinema, but uh, Doug was definitely, you know, uh, in the 80s, you know, uh, a new movie by Doug Trumbull was definitely an event. And also the chance to work with Chris Walken, who is fresh off of, uh, you know, movies like um, like The Deer Hunter, and you're like, you know, blown away by, by, yeah. by him as an actor. Annie, um, Annie Hall. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so it's kind of interesting to see also that she chooses that role and that mm-hmm. that role speaks to her own personal life, you know. So, so up until the end when we sadly lost her, you know, she was making a film that was very, you know, similar to, to something that she had experienced herself with R.J. Wagner. What was your relationship going into the film production with with the family? Because it seems, you know, it was finally a real platform, a significant platform for her her daughter. Well, primarily, I guess, Natasha, you know, who is the the daughter of her and and R.J. 
uh, to. Well, she's uh, not the daughter of RJ. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Don't correct me, please, on my show. Don't, don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you for correcting me is more more to the point yeah right they, she did con- consider them both you know her yes. dads because of she was so close to both of them and they really both played so central roles in her life and she loved them both dearly which i think comes across very beautifully in the film but it seems as though to get to my point is that it was really the first time the family had a real platform to say their their piece Finally. Yeah, so so I'll I'll tell you um, the complexity of of, of that Thank question. You. Number one, you know, it was um, on on a kind of you know funny way. I was always confused with Natasha about Daddy Gregson and Daddy Wagner, and I, and she would say my father and not my stepfather. Mm-hmm. And I said Natasha. The audience is going to get confused. They're going to think you have two fathers. <laughs> and said, well, I do. I said, I know. But for the simplicity of storytelling, we have to call RJ your stepfather and, 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 and your real father, you know, your father. And, and so we, we had a, a funny exchange on that. But, you, you know, when I met Natasha, um, I, uh, first of all, on, on a personal level, we immediately connected. She is really uh, um, an amazing person and and she has gone through so much you know in her life and continued to go through so much during the making of this film you know she lost her father as we made the movie Richard Gregson passed away and she lost arguably her mom's best friend and confidant you know uh, Mark Crowley passed away a few Mm -hmm. weeks ago uh, right before we went into confinement so it it has been a really profound and emotional uh, 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 journey you know and and it kind of underlined the importance of making this film because we lost arguably the you know, two of the most important people in in her life and in Natalie's life. You know, the the you 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 know the man with whom she had her first child, Natasha, and Mark Crowley, who um, she she not only uh, uh, trusted the most as a friend, you know, but also created boys in the band uh, thanks to sure. Natalie Wood because uh, she gave him a platform to 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 be able to be a writer, you know. Um, but um, what I wanted to say is that I was concerned, as were my producing partners at HBO at Amblin, that a film produced, you know, co-produced by a member of a family with right. a, a bit of controversy and, and polarizing discussions on on the last of Natalie, you know, was not going to be, you know, truthful and honest. And, and I guaranteed them that that would be my, my role to make sure that while Natasha was um, involved, that she would be respectful and not be in the cutting room. And, and, and I, I, I would say that she she really wanted to keep her distance. She she trusted me that that I was going to embrace the story that we were trying to say, but she was not going to get in the way of of the sort of uh, 
you know, integrity that a filmmaker needs to have when one is making a movie. Um, and, and so for me, the ultimate test was to do that interview between her and R.J. Wagner, which we designed as a two shot, as you saw, you know, like where Natasha is really, I mean, you had a wide shot, but they're the two of them together. And, and, um, I, I, I was like, that's going to be the ultimate test. You know, if, if this interview comes off really amazing and, and sincere and, and we can go to all those places, then that's great. We have a movie. And if it doesn't, then we may not have a movie. And obviously we did come off uh, this, those two days um, uh, feeling that there was an incredible story and, and that RJ courageously, you, you, you know, uh, confronted the, those questions, you know, with great um, emotions and... and, and um, Openness. And, uh, yeah, and openness, and Natasha was able to, in a way, to to keep her composure through 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 that because, you know, as as um as as a family member, you know, it's it's difficult to to go to places that you know are are extremely sad and painful yeah. and about loss and tragedy and 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 especially in view of the. The, the polarizing aspect of it, you know, but but it was great. And and frankly, you know, um, I created an atmosphere on the set for those two days that was very relaxed. And, and, and RJ is the consummate professional. First of all, he's got a great sense of humor. And right. so it was not all doom and gloom, you know, it was, there was a no, lot of... No, he's very of, funny. He's very Yeah, funny. there was a he's lot He's really of, played up on his persona over the uh, last bunch of years, you know. It's yeah, no, I mean, sh- he's a fantastic know. human being. And, and I had gone to Aspen to meet with him and his wife, Justin John, you know. Uh, so, 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 but, you know, in between uh, takes and when we would take a lunch break, he, he knew everybody by name. And, and it's not like he was stepping out and, and be by himself. He was, he was very, very, um, y- you know... Uh, accessible, accessible, and and didn't feel and, threatened by anything. Right. Where yeah. where you could see someone, you know, like suddenly oh, you sure. had to talk about this stuff, and 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 he was choking up and and at times crying, you know, um, in front of you know pretty much strangers, except for Natasha, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. So I really um, felt this was at the same time, you know, a test for me to see if we indeed had a, a, a movie and, and right. again, you know, it was it was reassuring to, to see that we did. So um I'm um I was extremely grateful and and uh and then we kept on going and, and HBO and and my partners over at Amblin, you know, were able to to watch the footage as well and they were like, Wow, okay, we're blown away, you know. So 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 that was really um yeah. That was really great. Yeah, it's tricky. I I could see why it's tricky, Laurent, because uh, um, you know, on one hand, you have other productions that have covered this, whether on the all the way over on the tabloid end of the spectrum, the past coverage or past projects around the subject of Natalie Wood, where you know her end is exploited, and then uh, how do and then on the other hand, you obviously you you can't not grapple with that story that part of her story it's the elephant in the room so you you're in a position if you're making the project you're going to have to deal with that and i think given 
uh, how it came out. I, I, I have to agree in this case. It really was very sensitively handled. Oh, thank you so much. Well, uh, you, you know, I, I, one thing I knew we didn't want to do as a, as a company, you know, and, and what I mean by company is almost like a theater company, <laughs> you know, is, is um, we didn't want to do something that, that was at all investigative reportage or, or sensational. You know, it was something that was going to come from the heart and from uh, genuine emotions, you know. Uh, so it, it, it was dictated by, by something to be done tastefully and, and with great respect. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad it came through um, at the very least for you. Yeah, uh, totally. Uh, was more importantly, how did it come out for, for the family? How did what, what did Natasha? What did RJ? Th- uh, you must have had a, a fans, and, uh, excuse me, a friends and family type of screening. I'm guessing. Yes, yes. I, I mean, what happened is that again, you know, like I, I finished the film and um, uh, shared it with uh, again my producing partners over at HBO and and Amblin TV and and and. and 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 once we got to a point which was uh, pretty fast, you know, uh, then I, I I I felt um, you know it was time to share it with uh, Natasha, and and she was blown away, and and that was really a great a great moment, you know, uh, because I of course wanted her as my producing partner, you know, and at the same time, you know, as, 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 as a member of the family and someone who had so much at stake with this film, you know, to feel that we had done justice to, um, to the storytelling and to the mission we had with the film, which was to sort of restore an image that, um, that, that she felt, you know, had been overshadowed by tragedy. Right. Um, and, and, and then I said, okay, so what do we do about RJ? And, and also valued, you know, the, 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 the reactions of, of Courtney and um, uh, the family children. members, because um, there was also another aspect where I, I, I wanted to make sure that there were no... Um, factual errors or anything like this. So I, we also had a couple of consultants on the film, you know, who, who helped us with, with all that. So there were a few people who, who watched it and, and across the board, you know, people were calling me and it was, they were all in tears uh, um, and appreciative and just felt that the promise that I had made uh, when I was engaged on that film, uh, felt like it was delivered. So um, I was I was really happy and pleased to see that uh, um, you know uh, the hard work had had paid off. Uh, also, in the you, we mentioned the family members and uh, Robert Wagner, of course. Uh, you also talked to uh, a lot of luminaries. Uh, yeah, Benjamin, Diane Cannon. Uh, uh, Elliot Gould, Mia Farrow plays a prominent uh, talking head in the film. Um, don't Hamilton. call them talking heads. Okay, <laughs> I don't use it in the. I know that that the term gets a lot of character. I'll tell you. I'll tell you that. How, how do you? Uh, I, I. You know, it's interesting. Member? Uh, to me, to me, you know, it, it's my biggest is. Uh, y- 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 you know, my. Um, 
And I feel comfortable with you, so I, I feel comfortable sharing that with you. you know, I know you, the, you You know, as a filmmaker, you don't call a close-up when you watch a movie a talking head, right? It, you go close on someone uh, for, um, an because, uh, for an emotional yes. moment. And, sure. and, you know, every time I've done a documentary, uh, um, it, it, you know, I pour so much... Um, so much energy and blood, research. Blood, sweat, and tears, too. we say. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, not only to frame the picture, you know, in yes, a way so. that, that, that that person is you capturing an environment. So, for example, I'll give you the example of, of Mia Farrow, for example. You know, I didn't know what to expect from Mia Farrow. I, I, I knew they were sort of pen pals, her and, and Natalie. Um, and... Um, I thought hmm, I had read a few letters that they had exchanged, and I didn't know what to expect really. And and uh, and suddenly she emerged almost as a voice for Natalie, as as we spoke. There was something. There's something about Mia Farrow that is just so. Um, and I get goosebumps even saying it. That is just uh, there's a fragility and a beauty and a, a, a something so. Uh, uh, pure about her as a person that I immediately felt when I walked in that I very specifically chose to have her in front of that garden that was covered in snow because I felt that spoke for my emotional response to her immediately when I saw her. So that's what I mean, you know, by... And and then with Robert Redford, for example, you know, we went to... um, uh, uh, Park City, and the the you know we were in that um, foyer that had a lot of wood, but I wanted some light because I knew that the subject matter was was very happy for the most part because everybody loved Natalie Wood, but I knew that we were always going to be getting to a point where it was extremely sad and, and was a bad loss. And I didn't want really the, the interviews to, to, to have a somber kind of look, but because we were in that room, I had to create fake light. So the light that you see in the background, you know, you have a fire, first of all, the, you know, that I lit up. And you, you know, I created fake sun. There was no mm-hmm. sun that day coming uh-huh. through, through, through the back with lighting. So that's what I'm talking about, like really creating an environment, you know, that speak for the thematic that me as a filmmaker, for better or for worse, you know, I'm not saying I'm a, 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 this... Uh, <laughs> fantastic uh, uh, lighting cameraman, <laughs> but I work really, really, really hard, you so, know, yeah. uh, so uh, the to, term, to frame. I so, so, so the when term people say, talking head is a little reductive, in other words. Well, I mean, it's, it, it, it's um, I, yeah, and I think, you mm-hmm. know, it feels like, uh, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, they're just talking. Well, they're not, you know, they, they, you, you really, and, and this is the wrong term to use, but unless you get a performance, even in a documentary setting, you know, right. you just don't have it. And, and so by saying talking head, you just feel like, you know, there was no work involved in, right. in, you, 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 you know, and no, 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 it's, it's, I think it's a great, <laughs> it's a great opportunity for yes, people right. like yourself 
to enlighten people who are your listeners, right. you know, yes. to understand the work that goes into a documentary right. filmmaking, you know. Um, you, you know, for example, you know, like I know the Tiger King is like the big thing right now. Well, the fact that they chose to, to film people with their shirt off or whatever, you know, is making a statement. Um, yeah, and, 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 and you can't call those, those people talking heads because they are making a very bold and and and, and 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 you know statement by the way that they've decided to frame them and and to present them you know yeah no no and and i it's this is sort of a filmic podcast you know on some level Laurent. so you know my using that term and i know you you're 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 you drew at a larger point which i actually really appreciate having that conversation with you but I use it as sort of shorthand because, you know, usually we refer to when we're talking to other filmmakers, if you talk to them about a talking head, it's more like uh, nobody really likes that term. So I, I, it's probably a good time to let it go. But we use it for like an expert, you know, like somebody who's expert has expertise on the subject. And in this case, these uh, luminaries, I guess I'll return to that, you know, definitely were experts on Natalie Wood because they all had relationships with her and they all cared a great deal about her and, and her memory. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, like as I, as I said, you know, I was surprised, you know, I, it's interesting, you know, in all the years of doing documentaries, there are two people that I've always wanted to meet and never had a chance to, was Redford and Mia Farrow. And, oh, that's and, great, sure. And it was, you, you, see, you know, uh, I would say... The Great Gatsby as a young person, is that why it was? <laughs> you know, it, it, I would say that in a selfish way, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't really... Uh, care if Mia Farrow is a lot to say. I just want to meet her. You know, there know, is sometimes that temptation, and suddenly, you know, when when the talent emerges as and gives you something that was unexpected. You know, and that's what I mean. You know, like it's like it, there's a whole preamble to an interview where um, that that is just so amazing. It was so funny with. With Mia, for example, she had music in the background, and I said, you know, we need to shut off the, the music. And so she's talking to the device, you know, like, what is it called, Alexa? Is that what it is? You oh, know? yeah, yes, yes. So I... Alexa turned off the music, and it's not doing it. And she said, well, maybe, you know, you want to try it. It's not working either. I said, well, maybe it's my French accent. And, <laughs> and eventually we turned it off. But it was like kind of a light, fun moment. Mm -hmm. that bonded me with her to some degree. And I'm just like, I can't believe that I'm with Mia Farrow and we're both talking to this device about shutting up the music. And right. she was, again, you know, just so... Oh, my God, I just... I, I, I mean, literally, this is the first time in my whole, you know, modest 27-plus uh, years doing documentary filmmaking, you know, that I was in tears with all the interviews and literally I would I would have problems talking um, when it came to certain things and, and I was making complete and I told my DPs who are very close to me I filmed with because we were filming all over you know the world literally mm -hmm. England you know and and New York and and and, and LA and uh, I have three DPs that I work with in all those places, you know, who know me very well. And I said, I do not want to hear one sound. I do not want to be, um, once we frame the shot, I don't want to be tapped on the shoulder or anything. I, I, 
I just want to make complete abstraction to to everyone in the room except for the talent, you know. So we would frame the shot way in advance. I had a, a, a double who would sit down and while, you, you know, we were setting up and then, so it was very religious kind of atmosphere for lack of a better word, you know. Well, and you- and um, anything that got in the way a couple of times, actually when we were with RJ, there was uh, a... a house under construction that day that was making so much noise and it literally I mean I thought I was gonna lose it you know and and RJ is the one who calmed me down he was like let's stop let's have cookies and let's let's chat (laughs) you know and but you know that's how much it 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 meant to me you know and I I I really created an environment that that felt almost like the way you, you you want it to be on a you know on a film set you know and and you know well, with it Mia it was you know it was interesting because um, you know we were filming her with the snow in the background and again I I just thought it spoke so much for for this beauty that I feel she, she, she radiates, you know, but at at the same time, when we got there and I'll just tell you, this is true, you know, I'm not making it up. When we got there, it was very dark and, and, um, the snow was there and, and I felt, oh, it's going to brighten things up. And as she started talking, the sun started to come out and I just felt, wow, you know, even, Nature is contributing to to this to, to to the beauty of this discussion we're having, you know. So again, you know, this may sound I don't know maybe too too uh, I don't know to some degree pretentious, but those are all things that that are felt so so intensely, you know, and uh, um, and again, you know, like with Richard Benjamin and George Segal and 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 you know and all those people I've. I grew up, you know, I, I shared a secret with George because I, I told him, you know, I hope this doesn't embarrass you, but the first movie I ever saw you in was in 1977 when I was an exchange student and went to Athens, Georgia, and it was Roller Coaster, the disaster movie in oh, Sense sure. Around. Yeah. And I said, I've collected the posters of that movie and the lobby cards. And I said, do you mind signing my lobby card of Roller Coaster? And uh, <laughs> it was... That movie is fun to watch. I, I, um, it actually, on some level, holds up. It's a little a cam- in a camp way, but it, it generally is of that genre, which was so popular at the time. It's actually better than you'd think. It's actually a really great film and very yeah. well made. It has a very uh, groundbreaking soundtrack and sound design by Lalo Schifrin, who not right. only created the score, which uh, I but love the, sound the score, design as well. but mm-hmm. he's, he created a whole sound design for when <laughs> the roller coaster goes up and down. And, and, and it was... Um, the, the problem with the film, I think, is slightly too long in the middle. Uh, um, it would have benefited from a little bit of editorial in the middle. But, um, you know, when I first came to L.A., I made a point of going to Magic Mountain and, and go to uh, Revolution. I was just like, that was one of the first things I did when I moved to L.A. in 1989 wow. was, was uh, pay tribute to one of my favorite disaster films, Roller Coaster. <laughs> That's great. That's great. 
Well, Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind is going to premiere on HBO on Tuesday, May 5th at 9 o'clock Eastern, I think. Is that, that's correct, right? And, and Western. I guess it's 9 o'clock. Natalie Wood, What Remains Behind will be on HBO at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern and Pacific, uh, May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Well, thanks for so much for just providing such a, um, you know, a passionate, I don't want to say argument, but uh, case for people tuning in to see the film because, um, you know, if you're even mildly a fan of Natalie Woods or of her, these, you know, her... I mean, she's been in so many wonderful films over the years and worked with so many of the great actors of her day who are still around working, actually. Uh, I, I urge people to go see the film. And um, and it was a pleasure to uh, bring you on the, sh- on the podcast, uh, Laurel. Well, thank you so much for having me. And, 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 and again, you know, like, I, I, um, I really appreciate uh, your thoughts about the film and and um, discussing it with me, um, you know, I, I would I would say that a lot of people, you know, young generations do not know who she is, or they'll know who she is because oh, she's the one who drowned, you know, kind of thing. And I really hope yeah. that through this movie, um, and that's she why I think it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, that I mean, was the, the, the goal was be, by choosing to have a point of view uh, of a young person like Natasha, that it would engage young audiences, you know, to say, oh, I can relate to Natasha, I can relate to a family story. And then the bonus is that you get to discover not only this, this really fascinating, at times heartbreaking, but obviously also the great triumph of a family. Um, uh, and, and at the same time, you, you get to discover um, Hollywood and an actress uh, like Natalie Wood, who um, really, through her filmography, because she started so young as a kid, you can really just study her films and get the entire history of, of the golden age of Hollywood, you know, just through her and her films. So I hope people uh, do recognize that. Me too. <laughs> it's terrific. Okay, fantastic. I, I loved it. Thank you so it. much. I, I enjoyed having you on. I hope we can do this again with your next Anytime. project, Laurent. It would be tre- or just chat about movies next time. That would be great. Okay. Thank All you right. so much. Take Thank care. You. Okay. You bye-bye. Okay, bye. Natalie and I got married in Paradise Cove. We got a boat together and spent most weekends in Catalina. That night I went below and she wasn't there. Natalie was gone. We've stayed connected through all of it. What do we think about reopening this case? I don't think there's a day that has ever gone by that I haven't thought about Natalie. I'm an actress and a wife, a mother. She was larger than life, not because she was famous, that was just her. Her vulnerabilities, passion, strength, and intelligence. All of that is there. Thanks for listening, by the way, if you could, this is a great time to go on to Apple Podcasts or if you're listening through Stitcher, go on and give us a star rating and a review.
or even if you're just a regular listener on Spotify or one of the other apps, just take a moment, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review and, a, you know, just a sentence or two and a star rating because that's how people that go on to or maybe listen to other film podcasts will find Film Wax Radio. Uh, incidentally, as I just before I duck out of here, I wanted to mention that we have a new logo. Well, it's a graphic, you know, it's a new iTunes button graphic, uh, which was designed by a friend of mine named Jim Infantino. He has a company called Slab Media. He did a wonderful job with it. He will also be redoing, finally, our website. We were supposed to have done it a while back, and it got postponed for a little while, but we're back on track. And I think sometime this early spring, we'll have a brand new website. And so thank you, Jim Infantino for that. If you uh, have any desire to work with a, a, a website designer or a graphic designer like a Jim, uh, you can contact me. You know, I'm on Facebook and on uh, Instagram and Twitter, as well as uh, Film Waxes, of course, on all those platforms, as well as you can go to the current website and contact. There's a contact uh, link on the bottom of the homepage. So feel free to reach out and we will... Uh, get you the information about Jim and his company. In the meantime, remain safe and healthy. And um, I hope we'll be back in, in actually just in a, next week with old friend of the podcast, Sam Pollard will be on. We also have Allison Anders. I'm very excited about that. One of my favorite movies is Grace of My Heart with Ileana Douglas. Um, really excited to be bringing Allison Anders on. We also have the actor uh, Yolanda Ross, who is on a TV series called The Shy. It's on Showtime. And um, I, I've been enjoying catching up with that show. Yolanda has been on the podcast before. She's also in a new movie coming up. And so I thought this was a great time to invite her back on the podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Adam Chartoff, your host of Film Wax Radio. Please take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time. Bye.